As the coronavirus continues to spread in Illinois, the state and national economy appear to be headed into recession. We'll talk with two researchers about how serious it could get and how the state might be able to blunt some of the impact on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. In the last four weeks, nearly 18,000 people in Illinois have come down with the coronavirus disease, known as COVID-19, and nearly 600 people have died from it. Also during that time, roughly half a million workers in Illinois filed first-time unemployment claims after Governor J.B. Pritzker, in an effort to slow the spread of the disease, closed schools and non-essential businesses, and issued a stay-at-home order for everyone except essential workers. This week, economists in the University of Illinois system issued a report in which the authors used different economic models to estimate what's likely in store for the state's economy and, in turn, revenues that will be needed to fund Illinois state government. I spoke via Zoom with one of the authors of the report, Ken Kriz, who teaches public administration at the University of Illinois Springfield, and asked him to summarize their findings. What we find, depending upon the the length of the recession and the severity of the recession, uh, the state could be looking at revenue losses, you know, ranging in the very best case scenario, um, a low severity pandemic, uh, with a very sh- sharp recovery of about four, little over $4 billion to a worst case, which is a very deep recession that lasts a prolonged period of time of $28 billion. And I know that's a, that's a broad range, but I think since then what we've seen is, is, is results economically that have jived more with what we call our moderate severity uh, pandemic and and we, we think that you know a lot of the forecasters at least now are talking about it being somewhere between a, a, a strong fast recovery and a little bit of a longer recovery so you're probably looking in the range of say eight to ten billion dollars in revenue loss and and that's in the three biggest state revenue source the personal corporate income tax and retail yes. sales tax yeah. Um, now, beyond that, there's probably going to be in, you know, losses in other revenue sources, which we didn't have great data on. Uh, and then uh, there's going to be also spending increases. And there, there's a lot more uncertainty because we don't know, for example, how many of the patients are going to be uh, needing Medicaid expenditures. Uh, what Medicaid roles are going to do um, after the recession? Are they going to swell? Um, and so there's, there's, there's just so many unknowns there. We just try to give decision makers a sense of what we might be looking at in terms of increases. I think those are, are really, we'll start to see those more sharply as we get, you know, into the summer and, and fall. So $10 billion, uh, and that's of course stretched out over a period of time, uh, but still that's about 25% of the yeah. Illinois state budget right now. Uh, So it sounds like the demand for public services ranging from Medicaid to job assistance to everything else is going to peak just at the time when states 
ability to pay for them is going to tank. Uh, Illinois was not sitting on a big rainy day fund to begin with. Uh, we had a pretty big uh, backlog of unpaid bills that accumulated during a time, relatively good economic times. So how big of a crunch is this going to put on state government? I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big crunch for any state. I, I don't think there's any state out there that's going to escape it. Uh, I think you're right in, in that, you know, what has happened over, quite frankly, the last three decades in terms of uh, public finances within the state of Illinois have put itself in a position where there wasn't there was not much cushion to rely on. So some states have already started to dip into their rainy day funds. The state of Washington, I read, had uh, taken about $200 million out of their rainy day fund in order to address things. Illinois didn't have it. Um, you know, what you pointed out is essentially, in a lot of ways, we had a negative rate. We had nothing set aside in terms of, of uh, short-term assets, uh, cash, short-term investments. We also had a lot of liabilities. We also had a big bill backlog that that uh, was paid down a little bit a couple of years ago, but it started to grow again. Um, and so those combination of things led Illinois to be, you know, more vulnerable to to what was going to happen. And that I hope that was an intentional choice that was made on the part of decision makers to you know, kind of go all out with our finances and, and not leave leave much cushion, but I'm not sure it was. Um, I, I think it's probably something we more or less stumbled into just based upon, again, decades of, of decisions that were made. Okay, so a lot of what's going to happen both in the economy and with state government will obviously depend on uh, the federal response. Um, how would you assess the federal response so far, the $2 trillion uh, stimulus package called the CARES Act? Uh, is that going to be sufficient or how big? Of, people are already talking about another trailer bill coming along behind it. Um, how much more economic stimulus are we, we going to need? Uh, the answer is a little bit complicated. Uh, it got more complicated yesterday. Um, the original CARES Act with the numbers that, that were put out, um, we looked at uh, information from the Federal Management Information Service, F FMIS, which talked about a minimum of $2.7 for the state and, and $2.2 for local governments. At the state level, as you said, the whole is more on the lines of 8 to $12 billion, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's obviously not going to cover it. Um, yesterday, the Federal Reserve Bank actually uh, announced a, a municipal lending facility uh, to, to allow state and local governments to borrow in the short-term uh, debt market and then sell those notes to the Fed in order to provide liquidity. And so, you know, the, the solution is essentially seems to be primarily for the the state and local governments to borrow and then pay it back uh, as revenues start to come in. Um, the size of that is probably more adequate to what is needed. Um, uh, it was, I believe, $500 billion in that lending facility. 
And it's only for the largest cities and the states. And so um, that'll, that'll provide a lot of possibility for the state to, to engage in short-term borrowing. But again, that's not, that's not like a grant. It's not something that's free money for the state to offset its losses. And so what the Fed is doing is essentially betting that this is going to be a, a, sh a short downturn, a V-shaped recovery. Um, uh, if it isn't, then the federal government is going to have to step in and, and provide some liquidity for that fund. Um, it already did a little bit, but it's going to have to probably provide more. How would you assess the Pritzker administration's response so far? Oh, boy, that's a loaded question. Um, well, in know, terms of his economic response. Uh, yeah, you know, in terms of the economic response, uh, how do I put it? There is no good answer to what happened. Um, and this gets back to the unprecedented nature of it. How how do you how do you deal with this? And I've heard I've heard I've heard so far this compared to well the Great Depression and and at least in depth it it may be at some point, um, but certainly not in the way it started and the length of it or anything like that. It's not like that. I've heard it compared to a big snowstorm, which it's there are some parallels. I've heard it compared to a war. Um, and so, but the, the, my, my point is this is something that's entirely new. And so honestly, I don't think it's, I don't think I can assess anybody's response to it because uh, you're comparing it against something that never really existed. So, um, you know, the Prisker administration, along with a lot of other states, made the decision, for better or for worse, to lock down, you know, people through social distancing, um, what I prefer to call physical distancing, because we're still being social with each other. But uh, physical distancing, closing businesses, things like that. Is that a very strong approach? Absolutely. It's a very strong approach that has some negative add-on economic consequences. But those economic consequences were going to happen one way or the other. If they, if they didn't do it, then you'd have a number of people sick who wouldn't be able to report to work, who wouldn't have income, and then you'd see you know, a lot of the same effects. So, so to be honest with you, Peter, I'm not good enough, and I don't think anybody is to be able to criticize any one particular response. And I wish people wouldn't do it as much, either on the federal level or the state level, because there is nobody who literally saw this coming. Three weeks ago, our economic measures looked just fine. That was Ken Kriz from the University of Illinois Springfield. Meanwhile, another group of researchers at the Illinois Economic Policy Institute also put out a report this week suggesting one way the state could soften the blow from the skyrocketing unemployment we're now seeing. They're advocating that the state fully implement what's called the work share program, which is a way of incentivizing employers to keep workers on their payroll at reduced hours instead of laying them off entirely. Frank Manzo is the policy director at the Institute, and he spoke via Zoom to explain how that works and what it could do. Uh, sure, so, so work share programs in every state that have, have them uh, work within the unemployment insurance systems in those states. So they're essentially an alternative to, un to unemployment. 
Uh, and that's the benefit to these programs is that they are a better alternative to layoffs for employers who get to retain the skilled workers uh, on their payroll and uh, they allow em employees to keep their jobs, keep their health and, and retirement insurance uh, and keep earning an income while receiving a prorated unemployment uh, benefit amount. Okay, it's still it's still not as much as they were earning in the past it, before the layoff. There, there will be some cases where people may actually, if the work share is implemented in Illinois as we uh, proposed, uh, there will be some, there are possibly going to be some cases where people earn more and that is entirely due to the fact that you just mentioned the federal government is providing an extra $600 over the next four months in pandemic-related mm -hmm. unemployment insurance benefits um, yeah, from the federal government. And though that $600, which we did not include in, the, in our study and our mm -hmm. estimates because it's only over four months, uh, we have found that the U.S. Department of Labor is applying that $600 to these workshare programs in these 29 states. And that was my next question was even if you're only on partial, uh, partal furlough, uh, you still Correct. get the six hundred dollars under the U.S. Department of Labor rules. Uh, participants in workshare programs will receive the full six hundred dollars uh, per week over the next four months. So, workshare programs actually require the employers to say, instead of laying off forty percent of my workers, I don't want to do that. Uh, I instead want to reduce the work hours of all employees by forty percent. I want to keep all of them on, but reduce their hours by forty percent. Uh, it requires employers to actually uh, submit a request uh, to the agency and get that approved. Uh, so it's not the worker in, uh, initiated, it's employer initiated. Okay, and so you tried to measure or tried to calculate what uh, the impact of this would be. How do you measure the impact that this would have as opposed to total unemployment? Sure, so what we did was draw on uh, the research on the effectiveness of work share programs during the Great Recession uh, in two ways. Uh, first, we looked at other countries because while work share programs are less known here in America, they were first implemented and are well known in Germany. Uh, and during the Great Recession, Germany saved over 400,000 jobs from its work share program. Uh, 17 U.S. states during the Great Recession also had these types of programs, including neighboring Iowa and Minnesota. And what we find is that if Illinois achieves the same type of participation rates from employers as our neighboring states, we could save between 43,000 and 124,000 uh, jobs by implementing our program during the COVID-19 recession. Okay, uh, that's still kind of a small percentage of what we're looking at here. Right, so it, it's partly because these programs are uh, less well-known and it's partly because these programs um, do require the employers to not, not only know about it, but apply for it and then uh, adhere to some level of, of uh, you know, regulation. And so some employers just say, instead of that, I, I prefer to lay off my workers. But what we have found is that there is significant uh, business support for these types of programs. So 91% of the participating employers who have participated in, in a workshare program uh, say that they would are likely to do it again if an economic downturn happens, as we're now in. And 74% of employers say that it uh, boosts employee morale. Yeah, and so the problem in Illinois is that IDES has never written rules uh, to implement this. What was the hangout there? It's a great question. This, uh, this program was passed at the end of the Quinn administration 
and never implemented under Governor Rauner. Uh, we do not know. It could be the fact that unemployment was declining and, and you know, ultimately has now hit historic lows and folks just felt, well, maybe we don't need this program. Uh, kind of weren't looking toward the future. We're focusing on other issues. That could be part of it. Um, there could have been other um, interests, let's say, uh, speaking to the ears of, of people in charge of IDS during the previous administration saying we don't need this program. Um, I really don't know what the hang-up was. I guess, and finally, just kind of thinking more broadly, I guess the concern is that these bars and restaurants, uh, retail stores, uh, things that are closed because they're considered non-essential, what are the chances that they're going to come back after this? Yeah, so that's a great question. So there are examples, you know, we I don't know the exact numbers. You know, we've heard anecdotes where employers of these, especially uh, food service and uh, type uh, chains are being furloughed and saying that, you know, you're not laid off, you're, you're furloughed and then we'll, we'll bring you back when this is all over. Um, I, unfortunately, I don't have the exact, uh, I don't have a number for you to say, you know, X percent of these workers are going to be, are going to be coming back and the rest of them are going to be unemployed. Um, it's, it's a problem. It's, it's, it's going to be a major problem uh, during the next few months. Uh, but one of the key points that Professor Bruno and I want to get across is that unemployment has devastating effects uh, and, and unemployment is worse than these work share programs because people who lose their jobs uh, tend to have lower levels of happiness. Uh, they report worse physical and mental health and higher unfortunately, mortality rates. So by saving jobs that might otherwise be laid off or furloughed, uh, work share programs can deliver greater financial security, but also better health outcomes for, vul for vulnerable workers. That was Frank Manzo from the Illinois Economic Policy Institute. For the record, Governor Pritzker was asked at one of his daily briefings this week whether he has plans to activate the work share program. He said it's something his administration is looking into. And that's all the time we have this week on Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock saying stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for listening.